Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Roto, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about the pork industry's sustainability platform with Dr. Brett Kaysen. Thanks for joining us today, Brett. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk with you about sustainability. It's becoming a big topic here over the last couple of years, and I'm excited to learn what you and everyone at the Pork Checkoff is doing to help the pork producers of America. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just start by introducing yourself and your background and uh, your role today. That'd be awesome. Yes, thank you. My name is Brett Kaysen. I'm the Senior Vice President of Sustainability here at the National Pork Board, in which I lead a team of seven professionals. My background is I grew up as a pig farmer and uh, been around pigs my whole life and spent 17 years in academia in the animal sciences department at Colorado State University, three years working for Zoetis Animal Health, both on the dairy side of that business as well as the pork side of the business, and joined the staff here at the checkoff three years ago as assistant vice president of sustainability, a staff number uh, member of one working in that space, and we've since built the team out to eight, so you can see the importance it is for our U.S. pig farmers today. So I like to start off these podcasts every now and then by throwing something odd out there. What's one thing about you that most of the people you work with do not know? Yeah, great question. That's a, that is one that will throw you <laughs> off just, just a little bit. One odd thing about me that people that I work with would not know is that I enjoy singing in the shower. I enjoy singing in general, and I'm terrible at it. Just ask my daughters. So they'll let you know about that. <laughs> so are you the first to jump up and do karaoke or? I'm one of those guys. Yeah, gotcha. I'm one of those guys. It's never a pretty sight, but I sure enjoy it. So, what, What's your go-to song? You know, I'm an Amarillo by Morning Guy by George Strait. That's kind of my go-to. Gotcha. <laughs> well, cool. So I guess I'd love to start by talking about the sustainability strategy that you guys have deployed and, and uh, to learn a little bit more about that to start. Absolutely. And I think it's important that everybody in your listening audience understands where we came from, right? And so we talk about, you mentioned as you open the podcast, sustainability is just front and center in everything you read or do. Mm-hmm. But farmers have been doing sustainability since the beginning of time. And as I like to say, every day's Earth Day on the farm. And um, we've been doing stewardship. So from a strategy perspective, the National Pork Board over a decade ago, launched a uh, social license to operate program called We Care, made up of six ethical principles in which a lot of pig farmers are familiar with. So we are ahead of our time as pig farmers tend to be. And that brought us to the point of multiplying that by the practices that folks on farm deploy to demonstrate that commitment to continuous improvement. And as I stepped into this role of March of 2018, I saw the opportunity is now the new eater, our customer, consumer, trust us as pig farmers, but they want proof points or validation. So it's that trust, but verify piece. So what we've really been working on since March of 2020 is creating proof points, goals, metrics, key performance indicators to prove that the U.S. pork industry 
is truly sustainable. So what are some of those metrics that you guys have put together? Because that couldn't have been easy. It, it's not easy. It was a big lift, and we're still in process. As a matter of fact, there's a group today working, a group of producers and scientists working today in our building to discuss greenhouse gas emissions and what goals should be set. So to answer your question, they're wrestling with that one. You've seen the announcements made potentially by the dairy industry, you know, net zero initiative by 2050, uh, the beef cattle industry, carbon neutral by 2040. So the, the pig industry is leaning into that, but we're not only solely focused on greenhouse gas emissions. We're also setting goals around pork quality assurance. You know, the mm-hmm. amount of farmers that are certified, those are things we should take credit for. We're also focusing on things like um, leadership and development of your um, farm staff. You know, how are you investing in their continuous improvement plan? How are you investing in their career development opportunities? We're leaning into soft issues, but hard issues like diversity, equity, inclusion. And so that people component, but also at the base of all of this, when we're setting these goals and metrics, when I wake up every day, you know, unless it's profitable for the farmer, it doesn't make sense because ultimately yep. what I get passionate about is let's make it fiscally reasonable for our farmers to hand the farm off to the next generation. And I think that gets lost a lot of times in sustainability discussion. You hear about environment, you hear about the social piece, but you don't hear about the fiscal piece or the financial profitability. There's no question you know this and your your listening audience does too. If it doesn't work for the P&L in the bottom right-hand corner of the balance sheet, it's probably not sustainable. Absolutely. I don't think a lot of people understand how when we look at the next generation of producers or farmers handing off the farm, it's going to be a lot easier than starting up a new farm. It's an incredibly hard thing to just get started in. And if we start to have people fall out, it's going to be really hard to get people back in. And for American consumers who always talk about they love the whole idea of the family farm, well, we got to make sure the family farm is still viable. When you look at your current state of the, uh, I guess, of the industry and sustainability, what does that look like? And where are our biggest opportunities and where are we really shining? Well, first and foremost, your point of shining, we need to take credit for what we've done. You know, we have reduced our land footprint per pound of pork produced by 70 plus percent. If you go back to 1960 to 2015, I mean, that's significant. And a lot of people automatically goes, well, that, that makes sense to me, Brett, because we took pigs from an outside, you know, production pasture based system, if you will, dirt lots, and we moved them inside. Well, that's a component of it. But when you say we've reduced our land footprint by 70 plus percent per pound of pork produced, we really have to congratulate and thank our row crop farmers because of the amount of bushels of acres of soybean meal, soybeans, corn that they can produce per acre now is phenomenal. So that diet, right, that the pigs consuming mainly made up of two ingredients, we have to go back to the row crop and thank them for the work, plus modern day facilities, no question. Yeah. And so that's a shining, shining light, 20 plus uh, reduction uh, in water use per pound of pork produced. So we're using less water than we ever have to support these pigs and drinking technology, right? The the way we monitor and, and, and study, you know, what kind of facility works best for a nursery pig versus a sow farm versus a finishing pig. Our energy use we've reduced significantly as well. And that has to do with modern day facilities, our attention to detail with, you know, fan motors, our intention to detail with insulation and quite simply, 
you know, moving away from, you know, fluorescent bulbs to LEDs, you know, significantly yeah. reduced our energy use. So, so those are the things we've done well. What's the opportunity for improvement? Uh, if you step back and you say, okay, you know, and you want to focus on greenhouse gas emissions specifically, the two biggest emissions factors for us per pound of pork produced is the row crop feed in which a pig eats and the manure or what I call that black gold that comes out of the backside of the pig. And so we've got to continue to say, hey, we really want to get to carbon neutral. If the industry says they aspire to do that, it starts with soil health in the corn belt. And you know, I have a lot of producers that say, but Brett, we're pig farmers. We buy our grain in and we've got plenty to manage. How do you expect us to influence the row crop uh, leaders? And I said, you have to lead by example and you need to cooperate with them. The National Pork Board has signed a memorandum of understanding to do research around sustainability with the National Corn Growers Association and the United Soybean Board. It just makes sense. And so the opportunity to look at this from a holistic perspective from the farm soil health all the way to fork is really where we're headed as an organization and as an industry. Gotcha. We, we just had that pig livability conference too over in Omaha not too long ago. And one of the interesting areas that came out of that was around feed and water consumption. Um, by improving livability and the quality of care and the health of the animals, you're wasting less because you're able to produce more with what was consumed by each sow. And so even, even improving our output with genetics or survivability will likely have an improvement on the qual or the amount of food and water consumed per pound of pork, probably. Right. You nailed it. I was at the same conference and what a great conference, 450 people there. Right. And, and to talk about healthy pigs, one, right. It's not only survivability, but it's just keep those pigs healthy and as feed efficient mm-hmm. as we can make them. At the end of the day, and it may be too simplistic for some, what is sustainability is it's maximizing outputs by minimizing inputs. And that's what we've aspired to do as pig farmers our whole life. Um, now, while meeting the current generation's expectations, right, from a nutrient-dense product without sacrificing the future generations. So healthy pigs, more pigs that survive, those pigs that grow faster, all those things are so important. And there's a business case there. Right. As I talk yeah. to our producers, sometimes they'll step back and say, but Brett, sustainability, I'm reading about it. I see the headlines, but, you know, that's just going to be a flash in the pan thing. How does it help me? Well, when you start talking about feed efficiency and saving more pigs and they're healthier and fewer days on feed, you know, our producers as well as I do, they're like, oh, there is a business case here. So oh, yeah. They'll jump all over that. Yeah. Don't separate sustainability from efficiency. I tell them that all the time. So could you talk about the future state? Well, what are you guys, I guess, what is that goal? Uh, you mentioned some of the goals, some of the other industries uh, within the livestock space, but what is what is our goal? Yeah, so the future state is in 2022 of January, you'll start to see the U.S. pork industry goals being rolled out publicly. Okay. And again, we've been working on these since March or April of 2020. And you say, well, Brett, why haven't you gone public? Well, it's strategic. And it's one thing to talk about goals and say what you're going to do. What we've done here is led an initiative to not only tell you what we're going to do, but show you the data. So as we were setting the goals, we've actually also been collecting on-farm data towards measuring towards those goals. Mm. And so future state is this, and I would uh, encourage your listing audience to go to porkcheckoff.org 
And we are going and offering pig farmers their own farm sustainability report. Oh, wow. With, with checkoff funded dollars. And so uh, one of the magical things about this is that it's real farm data. It's not modeled. It's third party verified, as opposed to some of the models that are out there that are directionally correct. But you've got to question some of the validity of them. Yeah. You've got real farm data in 13 pig production states today that says we're sequestering carbon. We're reducing soil erosion. We're reducing our water footprint. So we're looking for more folks to join into that particular program and be looking for those goals to roll out, but then say, oh, and here is hundreds of thousands of acres of corn and soy. Here's a million head of pigs. Here's multiple sites to prove our sustainability footprint. So that's the future. It's to build trust and confidence in one brand, and that brand is P-O-R-K. So when you talked a little bit about the business case and we talked about livability and, and growth and stuff like that, but what are some of the other business cases or the main business cases that producers can really look towards when it comes to sustainability? Good example right now, and a lot of our producers are feeling it, is the value of pig manure. You look at the price of commercial fertilizer that our farmers are facing. You know, a lot of our farmers are pig farmers, but raise corn or soy. And the nutrients, or maybe they just raise pigs, but the nutrients and the value of those nutrients in a lagoon today or a deep pit system, there's a huge business case there. And I think that's the future. I think you will see uh, that pig manure um, seen more as a resource than a waste source in which you see in mainstream media sometimes. So there's a business case for those nutrients outside of the barn or under the barn. Um, Feed efficiency, you and I both know outside of your fixed costs with your building, it's all feed, right, in terms of your input costs. And so continuing to make more pigs grow faster, more efficiently, this energy use piece is phenomenal. Between, you know, solar opportunities, uh, between wind opportunities, I just got back from Dallas, Texas yesterday, um, spent three days with a group of engineers that walked me through a process they have today that can take manure and generate electricity beyond what we've ever seen. In, oh, in, wow. Yes. How generally. does that work? Are you able to give us a taste of what you, I don't want to yeah. use the word taste there, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to get out of my lane because I'm not an engineer, but what I'll tell you is it deals with uh, uh, plasma in a box, if you will, lightning in a box and splitting atoms. So that's the kind of stuff we're, we're uh-huh. doing in this industry. And we've done phenomenal things with, you know, Uh, Our lagoons covered the lagoons, renewable natural gas that we're taking off those lagoons that people are now selling into California for the renewable fuel standards. And that doesn't look to be going away. Matter of fact, I think the renewable fuel standards will start to grow up towards Oregon, Washington and into Colorado. And they're going to be looking for the opportunity to capture some of that. So manure, feed efficiency, energy use, solar, wind And, you know, saving that water and that water meter, all business cases. And at the end of the day, a lot of this is a social license to operate. Because, um, you know, our communities, whether we're, you know, managing one in Utah, Arizona, North Carolina, or Central Iowa, our communities and our neighbors are expecting and asking more of the big farmer today. Sometimes unfair, sometimes fair. And part of this play is allow the business to grow, allow the next generation to farm like they want to farm. Absolutely. So for producers who are looking to get started, what are some things that they can do? I know you brought up the third-party verification of their existing sustainability and 
What are some of the other things they can do to just get started? It can be hard yeah. sometimes. Some of this is going to sound very common sense like, but I think sometimes simple is smart and sometimes we miss it. You know, I spend a lot of time in barns today still, and we know this, we've known it forever, but are our fans adjusted appropriately? <laughs> you know, I, sometimes I walk the finishing barn and the curtain side still has holes in it, right? And it's February and it's like, man, we're losing a lot of energy there. Are the LB white heater set? appropriately so where it's not on full blast and i'm standing next to an exhaust fan that's pulling that heat right out right yeah um, and there's still a lot of our south farms today that are still working on some old technology light bulbs and yes leds initially is a little bit of an investment for sure but the farmers that have done it and actually with people that sell leds are like boy these things work so well we're not selling them because they stay around forever so that i call it the low-hanging fruit right is walk those barns Think about energy, you know, think about uh, health, think about survivability, think about those nutrients that are in a deep pit system or a lagoon. And the other thing I would challenge us all to think about is how we're applying this manure. And there's opportunities beyond what we've done. And a lot of folks are doing great work. Um, spent a little time in Minnesota a year ago, and they're using pig manure in a strip till fashion. That's just hmm. fantastic, both in terms of sequestering carbon and keeping the nutrients where it's at. But, you know, do we have all those toolbars calibrated correctly on our manure application equipment? You know, think about your nutrient management plans. We know pig farmers have nutrient management plans. They have to. My question is, my challenge is, is it on the bookshelf collecting a little dust or have you dug in and look at it lately? So those are just some things as I travel the country, work with farmers who do a phenomenal job, by the way. Uh, just some things to make sure you hone in and focus in on from a sustainability perspective. So as a producer, I have a consumer, someone in the general public come to me and say, you're, you're hurting the environment. How do I respond to that? What can I say? Because I guess there was some, some studies that were done around data and they suggested that if somebody agreed with your case and you presented them with data, they agreed with you more. But if somebody disagreed with you and you presented them with data, they almost disagree with you more. And so how do we tell that story in a way where the the person who doesn't necessarily agree with us can start to better understand how much we do care? That is the biggest challenge, isn't it? And I'll give you a prime example. And we're, we're still in the, the business as well, raising pigs. But I travel a lot because of this job and I love it. So I spend a lot of time on airplanes and I've always got something pork related right now. It's my bacon mask, right? So you can't help but get a reaction from your passion to your left. And coming back from a conference in Chicago, I had a, a person actually challenge me and say, Hey, you folks are actually ruining the environment because of these modern day, you know, what they'll call factory farm production systems. Step one is this. Uh, the the pig farmer country boy Brett wants to go on the defensive right away, right? Mm -hmm. You want to get your facts in and your science. And what I've learned is you got to take a step back. I've got to take two deep breaths. And I say, tell me more about why you think that's the case. And I'll say that again. Tell me more about why you think that's the case. So you answer the question with the question because I'm really seeking to understand where they're getting their information. Oh, okay. But, but, you know, 10 years ago, I'd have come around with, well, here's the facts, here's the data, and I'm a PhD animal scientist, it doesn't work. <laughs> what you start to find out is, is that you say, you know, when you ask those questions, well, tell me why you think that or what, where you're getting your knowledge. 
you start to unpack where those shared values are. Okay. Mm -hmm. And usually I've never met one yet that was really um, anti-farmer that didn't want clean water, clean air, right. And good soils. And so there's your opportunity, Matthew, to lean into it and say, Hey, we're trying to protect the watersheds in our areas too. Let me tell you how we're doing that. Talk about how you apply your nutrients. You don't have to give them all the facts. Tell them what you do. A lot of folks today just think we take this manure and spread it out wherever we want to spread it at any rate, right? Tell them about buffer strips and corn and soybean fields and why we do buffer strips, right? Now, pig farmers may be saying, but I'm a pig farmer. Talk about that, right? Yeah. Talk, talk about water meters. Talk about your water designs. Talk about how you adjust your feeders. Here's a big one on animal welfare that people just are shocked when I talk to them. I said, do you understand that these pig farmers have their eyes on every pig every day, whether they've got a nursery, a sow farm or a finisher? And they're like, really? But those buildings are so big. Brent. I said, they walk their pens. They observe. You know, there's this magical thing that they think there's robots and they're feeding those pigs. Make the human connection. So my answer to the question is this. Take the science, but put it into sound bites. Be authentic. Tell them what you do. And it seems like a pretty good conversation. So that's the way I've handled those things. Uh, I've been challenged on stage in some of the biggest meetings, uh, you know, that says, well, you say you care, Brett, but what about the headline news about this particular event? And we've had those opportunities, right, where we've not done things well. Fact, uh, we've had some bad actors. First of all, you got to own it. And then you got to say, hey, We've made a mistake. We're on this journey of continuous improvement, but don't let one event dictate what you think all of U.S. pork production is. It's a dialogue. It's a conversation. And I think that's part of the issue that we have in a lot of our country today. It's, you know, it's one way or the other. And whatever happened to great debate and conversation and shared values, expectations. Absolutely. So before we, and I guess before we finish here, would you mind sharing a life lesson or like a golden nugget with listeners. Happy to do that. And um, it's interesting as you get older, your perspectives change. And I remember as a young 20 plus year old professor listening to uh, faculty members that were in their forties, trying to coach me. Right. And as a 20 year old PhD, you got it all figured out. (laughs) Um, The life lesson for me, I would say is um, really twofold. And one is what I just talked about, but one is, and it's going to sound so cliche, but more important than ever, I think for us as pig farmers is that the good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth and listening is extremely important. And when I say listening, don't be the 20 year old Brett that was listening to formulate the answer to rebuttal or plus up be the almost pushing 50 year old Brett that is listening intently to what their general concerns or questions are. So number one, listen, listen intently. And then two, I believe, you know, there's very few pig farmers left in the United States. and There's a big population. There are shared values where we can agree. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to focus. Now, there's some things we're going to, we're going to disagree on. We're just not going to, we're just not going to agree on some things. You know, turning pigs outside and raising them outside again, that's not going to happen. We're not going to agree on that. Yeah. But but we can probably agree that in February in Minnesota, when it's 30 below, you know, that that 74 degree sow barn feels pretty good. And so listening intently to what the, the person's really asking or seeking, 
and two, landing on those shared values, right, to work towards a better world. That would be the things that pretty impactful here is late for me is the various folks I work with. Well, thank you for joining the Popular Pig Podcast. This has been very informative and it's been a fun, fun conversation to have around sustainability and what producers can do to not only better the environment, but better the the whole message that we're telling as a, as a pork industry. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.